0: Hello again, Memphis, and welcome to Storyboard 30. Taken right out of the pages of the monthly print journal, Storyboard Memphis. Here we bring Memphis personalities and shapers right into the WYPL studios for 30 minutes of in-depth conversation to hear about their passions, their initiatives, or to talk a little bit about what makes Memphis, Memphis. I am Mark Fleischer, publisher of Storyboard Memphis, and your host for the next half hour of Storyboard 30. As I introduce my, my two guests today, I'm going to, to, to quote one of them. And then talk about this amazing structure uh, and organization that sits out there on the corner of MLK and Danny Thomas. But I want to quote this gentleman for an article that was written and published by our associate editor here at Storyboard Memphis, Margot Payne. And the quote goes like this. This gentleman said, We've had the opportunity to work on some pretty amazing projects. Stacks Museum... Civil Rights Museum, and the FedEx Forum, but I would say that this project is my favorite because of how many people in the community come up to us. We're honored, but they're grateful that we were able to save this building, to think if this building were to be torn down, what it would have meant. So the gentleman in question here in, in this quote is referring to the Universal Life Insurance Building, and that quote was from Jimmy Tucker, Jimmy is here to my right, um, and Juan Self is to my left, and they're of the architectural firm Self Tucker. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Really glad to have you guys in here. This is quite a year for the both of you, kind of a culmination of what, like, what, 12, 13 years of work now, right? Absolutely, yes. In bringing the Universal Life Insurance building back to life in so many different ways. You just had. Um, yeah, not only the 70th anniversary of the building, but also a great reopening a couple of weeks ago on July 11th. I want to talk about all the history of the building, your restoration efforts, what you've brought back into the building, its importance to the community, its importance to, to Memphis and its location. But I thought we'd start out with that quote because of the various projects you both have worked on over the years jimmy i'll start with you what how do you feel about what's your what's your take on this project in terms of the work you've done in comparison well mark i am a native memphian and
1: obviously knew the history of uh universal life insurance company and and the building uh and we have had the opportunity over our 23 years in business to you know do some amazing projects here in memphis uh A lot of our work does focus on projects that have a positive impact on the community. Uh, But this one has a special place for the people that were affiliated with the uh, Universal Life Insurance Company over its uh, existence from 1923 until May of 2001, when unfortunately, the uh, company closed. So there are people that worked there that did business with Universal Life Insurance Company, that had family members that worked there. So in um, many ways, the company was having an impact, a positive impact on our city during that, that period of time. And almost certainly weekly and almost daily, we hear about connections to the project and hear about ways in which people have just fond memories of the company and the impact it had on on their lives. So we're just surprised at the way that people speak to us and relate some connection, and and not just in Memphis, because uh, Universal Life Insurance Company actually was in 10 states as well as the District of Columbia, stretching all the way from the District of Columbia out to California. So uh it's a a broad impact that this particular company
0: and and the building had again on our city the 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 grand reopening I was not able to be there um that evening but of course I read about it and saw some clips from it it reminded me of on a on a different scale uh the grand reopening of the of Sears Crosstown building and having all the employees that worked there for so many years come in and just look around in awe of what you had all done. Just like like you mentioned, what a great experience, and what a great experience for the two of you to see it come to fruition finally. You know, one of your comments in the article here um, was about the fact that this is really happening. You know, you could kind of feel it over the last year or so, mm-hmm. that this is really happening, really coming back to life. Right. Yeah. So, Juan, talk about that for a second. What does that mean to you personally, that that finally— This has come to fruition.
2: It means a lot to me personally. Developing this project has been a long journey. We purchased the building in 2006 and worked on a development plan, and we were ready to go. But then the real estate market bottomed out. And so uh, after 2008, we had several, I would call them fits and starts, where Mm -hmm. we would uh, gear up and think we could be able to move forward uh, but we're not able to do that until there was a federal program uh, administered by the state and then locally for energy conservation bonds. Uh, we made that application, and we were allotted. Uh, we were given an allotment, and so that sparked a lot of life in the project and gave us really a fighting chance to get the project developed. And so it was a 12-year journey from that time to the time we were able to uh, actually start construction, and then ultimately uh, moving to the building last year. So it was a long personal journey, but it also marked, I think, some of the growth of our firm. I recall Dr. Alvin O'Neill Jackson, former pastor of uh, Mississippi Boulevard Christian Church, when he left uh, Memphis, uh, there was an article in the, I believe, Commercial Appeal called From Success to Significance. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had worked on a lot of projects and had um, a degree of success, but our focus uh, really began moving more toward projects that were significant, Mm -hmm. that we would make an impact in the lives of uh, uh, people in communities, impact those who may be of low or moderate income, also to help to build a better Memphis. So uh, it really kind of marked a growth in our firm and even our concept of what architecture can do
0: what a a difficult time because here you you purchased the building in 2006 2008 Mm -hmm. the recession hits the housing crisis hits and everything comes to a screeching halt now me personally you know whenever I go downtown you know I drive down Linden slash uh, Martin Luther King Boulevard and Years ago, I would drive by the Universal Life Building, and it was one of those buildings where in Memphis, sometimes you see a building and you see that it's empty, and you might see that there's something perhaps going on, or maybe not, and there's always that, that twinge of fear, oh, I hope someone is restoring this, I hope nothing happens to this building, and you know, for those listeners who are not aware of it, you, know, you, you can't help but notice it by the big, beautiful neon sign out front. The big maroon neon sign with the clock on the top. And it had to have been a perilous journey at times with the housing crash and the the market crash in 2008. So there's got to be some extra satisfaction in the fact that you were able to to pull it off finally after all that.
2: Yeah, but there's no doubt about that. There's um, any journey and anything worth doing is worth the effort. I will admit there were times when I scratched my head and prayed and wondered uh, if we would be able to do it, but we kept pressing. Uh, different opportunities would arise, and then sometimes they would, it, it would seem, you know, there would be some interest, but it happened at the right time. Not only were we able to secure an allocation of qualified energy conservation bonds, but we were also able to obtain some assistance from the city of Memphis as well, in addition to a pilot program program. And so it was truly a public-private partnership for this preservation project. And you mentioned the uh, the clock sign. Uh, one significant piece, or at least interesting to me and si- significant to me, that the Balton Sign Company, who was the original uh, sign, who had worked on the sign previously, we were able to contact them. They were able to take the sign to their shop, restore it, and get it back to us. And in that 70th year dedication and re uh, or grand reopening, we were able to light that sign up as well as some additional lighting on the building. So that was a,
0: uh, a great milestone for us. Did you light the sign for the first time during the opening?
2: No,
1: actually, we had uh, <laughs> we had already lit the sign because actually the sign was, to your point you just made, driving by the sign was actually one of those touchstones for for the project that uh, a lot of people related to that sign as really kind of an iconic sign, and it's actually uh, been featured in uh, different publications as well. So that was kind of one of the points uh, earlier in the process that we did make a conscientious effort to revitalize that sign and be able to turn it on to let people know that this project is moving forward and that uh, some other Completion of the project is is imminent.
0: What an important corner, first of all, and then what an important location in South Memphis. I mean, we have so many important corners in the city. You know, um, Main and Beale, and Front Street and Front and Madison, and um, but that corner of MLK and Danny Thomas. Just the names alone mm-hmm. attached to those streets, yeah. what an important corner. And also, what an important corner for, for South Memphis, When, especially when you consider the years of devastation uh, with urban renewal and everything that went on there. Right. I, I sometimes look at that building and I, and I think, what a miracle mm-hmm. that it survived. And thankfully there was a thriving, the life insurance building Mm -hmm. was thriving for for all those years, which, which allowed it to stay. Nonetheless, I still look at it as a miracle. I mean, we lost the tri-state bank building Mm -hmm. recently. And, you know, if we can lose a structure like that, even we can, you know, it's again, I just, I look at it as such a miracle. So it wasn't just a building restoration. It was also re-inhabiting the building with With business. So, for example, the ground floor is the city of Memphis. Yeah, the ground floor and the Mm -hmm. first floor. Yeah, the city
1: of Memphis actually occupies just under 50% of the building. Mm -hmm. And to Juan's point about this public private partnership and our efforts to actually secure the funding for the project, I mean, that was just critical. It was really a game changer Mm -hmm. because we went to so many banks. And we had some potential tenants that included small businesses like ourselves. It was uh, engineering firms that had shown an interest in the project as well as some other, uh, law firms. But we constantly get the question, well, what about the sustainability of this mix of businesses that you're presenting yeah. uh, to secure a major loan for this project? And when but when the city agreed initially through the commitment of Mayor Wharton and and then we we just really commend Mayor Strickland for seeing the importance of this project. And then under his administration, they continued to support uh, the project because that was kind of at a critical time where they could have went in a different direction if they chose to. But again, we really appreciate the fact that two administrations saw uh, the wisdom of this project. And as Juan
0: said, it's been a tremendous uh, public-private partnership for us. Uh, If you're just tuning in, this is Mark Fleischer, your host of Storyboard 30 on FM 89.3 WIPL. We are uh, talking with Juan Self and Jimmy Tucker of Self Tucker Architects about the wonderful Repurposing and restoration of the Universal Life building on MLK and Danny Thomas. I want to revisit the history of the building for a moment and, and revisit the history of Universal Life because folks will see the building and, and you know, we, we know that the building itself opened in 1949, but Universal Life goes back much further and it has roots in, you know, on Beale Street, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in fact, specifically... It, it it well. It started in Mississippi. Yes. And then moved, and I'm quoting Margot's work here. <laughs> the um, first for well, the second floor of the uh, fraternal fraternal bank building at Third and Beale, be, before moving to another location at 234 Hernando. Orlando, right. And that's another very important corner as well. Mm, another hugely important corner, Beale and Hernando, which. It's not even called Hernando now, is it? That specific corner. But what a legacy from moving to Beale to to that specific location. In the foyer, I believe it is, you've got a whole history of the building, right, when you walk in.
1: Right. We had the good fortune of partnering with the Center for Historic Preservation at Middle Tennessee State University and Dr. Carol Van West and his team just did an awesome job of researching some of the history of both the Universal Life Building, the company, as well as McKissick and McKissick architects. And Juan was formerly worked at McKissick and McKissick. So uh, these relationships just kind of are just so incredible. Uh, but we do feature that history right uh, in the foyer of the building through some panels that were created uh, by the uh, Center for Historic Preservation team. And so that's a way to kind of keep that history alive and make sure that as people come and visit the building. They may not know all the history. They can uh, basically get an understanding of uh, the legacy of this project and you know, what it's meant to
0: Memphis. And speaking of that legacy, we really should talk about the fact that it, you know, the Universal Life Building started, or the Universal Life Insurance Company uh, was one of our first or an original black-owned businesses, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And long established in the city of Memphis. And that's another thing that the two of you bring to this, this, this legacy is a continuation of, that, of that, mm-hmm. um, that history and that legacy. And again, something so important to, to our city. Well, the founders still serve to inspire us. Uh, Not only did they
2: found the Universal Life Insurance Company, they also developed their headquarters here in Memphis, the Universal Life Insurance Building, what we know now. They used uh, African-American architects, uh, McKissick and McKissick, who I worked for. And this building is one of uh, a precious few examples of Egyptian revival architecture in Memphis and even in the state of Tennessee. And so that is also uh, important to us. But they also did um, real estate development. They um, developed uh, affordable housing, helped to establish Tri-State Bank that you mentioned earlier. So they were not only insurance men and women, but they were also community-minded and sought to help to redevelop Memphis and provide opportunities for all. Jimmy and I, one of the passions that we share is real estate development, and so we are also looking to follow in those same footsteps to uh, provide uh Affordable housing and other development opportunities throughout city, yeah. throughout the city.
0: Yeah, again, such a such a hugely important legacy that you're continuing. I I, um, I have to marvel, uh, and and I know you worked closely with with Margot on on the, the story, and the entire history, but. Just what a legacy and and if you haven't seen and I'm not trying to plug the paper here by any means, but if you haven't seen the story, you have to go online and, and read the story just because of the the archival uh um data and the archival images that that uh were brought to the story it's really quite a legacy yeah. you well, I, mean, if you, I do want to add that.
1: is that uh, we greatly appreciate the coverage and storyboard and The thing that really uh, I appreciate is the number of pages that, through your format, Mark, that could be devoted to the broad aspects of this particular story. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, we have had different articles that have been written in a number of uh, our local publications and even some magazines, but it's never been this comprehensive to, to really Tell the story of so many of the important aspects of Universal uh, Life Insurance Company uh, and its, you know, its impact on on Memphis. Yeah,
2: and if you won't plug the paper, I will, um, <laughs> as well as the author, Margot. Uh, Margaret and I actually served together on the Tennessee Historical Commission's Review Board, and preservation is one of my passions, as it is hers. She did a marvelous job, and I'm not just saying that because she's present here uh, in the studio. <laughs> but those that I've shared the article with, many of them have read the article three and four times, and each time they just marvel at the broad history and the depth and breadth of the impact of the Universal Life Insurance Company.
0: That's that's really nice to hear. Uh, very very nice to hear. Um, we um, we thought we thought it was very important. To tell a comprehensive story, we thought that obviously it has such an important legacy to not just Memphis but African American Memphis, and and um, the comprehensiveness just it to to us it was just it, it was completely necessary to tell us as complete a story mm-hmm. as we could. So thank you for thank you for mentioning that. Right. I want to talk about I, want, I, have, I have some questions that are some really cool things you have planned. The community cafeteria in the basement. What is that going to be like? Food is
1: another means of creating community, Uh, and the cafeteria is located, as you said, in the ground floor of the building, and that was historically where the cafeteria had been when the Universal Life Insurance Company was in operation. And uh, it was both, the space was both used by employees there as well as it was open to uh, people within the community. So uh it is, it, we're actually wanting to continue that legacy for it to have that function uh you know within the building uh as as uh, we look at how to renovate that particular space. Uh, I will mention that we are looking for uh a vendor or really someone that would have really a passion for creating the kind of space uh around good food and that would be a means again for creating community there in in the neighborhood where the building is located.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention it's it's more than just the building itself. Yes, um, you're really trying to activate that entire corner. Correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the other other future plans that you have a- around that that area?
1: Well, one that's kind of interesting is
0: uh, we we did a six minute film
1: that actually was featured in the AIA Film Challenge uh, last last year. And we work with an s- entity called the Obsidian Creative Studio. Winfield, Ezell, and I met through the Delta Leadership Institute. And uh, we, we came together as architects and their team as filmmakers to create this film. They really got excited about spending time here in Memphis and seeing a lot of possibilities. So uh, they... Plan to actually base their studio in a portion of the building as well. Okay. Now the the other aspect of that is very interesting, and you can appreciate this as uh, someone who's uh, in media uh, and knows the importance of uh, communicating different initiatives uh, and programs that are that are uh, underway here in the city. But with the focus of the city of Memphis, there on People starting businesses and growing businesses—they want to be able to interview those individuals that right there in the building to tell the, those stories because that's a whole genre of interesting stories about how people are going. About to say one other thing quickly because as as entrepreneurs ourselves, we understand that sometimes people don't necessarily know the backstory about how businesses operate, and it's so important sometimes if someone wants to be an, an entrepreneur in a certain type of work or a certain type of business that they know more of the insight into what it takes for that business to be successful and the, the steps that they would need to take uh, to mm-hmm. engage in that business. So again, subsidian Creative Studios plans to come into the building and create that kind of presence in that venue
0: there in the in the Universal Life Insurance and building. have and have a place for for budding entrepreneurs absolutely to go absolutely and, yes, yeah, yes yes and learn yes, and, yes, and, yes, and yes, be yes. around other entrepreneurs right like a, another um, you know a co working space and all that
2: yes yeah that's okay. all of that's possible that we we plan. Uh, I think the uh, the greatest thing about this location and the synergy of uh, the occupants is just that uh, we get an opportunity to interact with each other, uh, those who are starting out, those whose businesses have matured. Just yesterday, we had a gentleman in our office that I've known for mm-hmm. about uh, five or six years. He actually worked through uh, a reentry program. He was incarcerated and he was interested in architecture. We were able to assist him uh, in working with a local window manufacturer. He began drafting. Now he actually has his own business doing detailing for, biz- uh, for buildings uh, and working with glazers throughout the southeast. So that's really having that opportunity for that type of interaction is really exciting.
1: We described this building as a... Uh, a community of creatives and entrepreneurs. That's kind of really focus the synergy that we are trying to cre-
0: create there as well. Designing a better Memphis was uh, something that uh, you mentioned as, as kind of a, a tagline, in, in essence, right? Yeah. That location again. Talk about what what you all feel about how important that location is to to South Memphis specifically. Well,
2: it's extremely important. Uh, at the corner of Martin Luther King and Danny Thomas, that really is a gateway to downtown. Um, also, the development that's happening in what the city now calls South City
0: yeah. uh, and
2: other uh, developments in that area, uh, that corner really serves as an anchor uh, and really... Um, Really, a bulwark. Uh, these put is established there and now reestablished. Really anchors that area for South Memphis, and we are glad to be in three eight one two six.
0: Yes, indeed, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, something else I wanted to talk about here before we uh, close out this portion is um, is the sign itself. Now we mentioned it earlier, the how iconic it is. But what about the restoration effort itself? You mentioned going back to
2: um, Balton Signs.
0: Balton mm-hmm. Sign Company. Mm-hmm. We have a great old picture here of a kind of a before and after, um, one of them taken in the 1960s as compared to today. The big difference being is that the FedEx form is, is in the background. Absolutely. <laughs> Versus today. But anything interesting with the restoration of the sign that came out of this? Uh, I think
2: you know, not necessarily as a, a really it, it's really much more of a fact, and that is, you know, everything was upgraded, but it is true neon, which is uh, still kind of uh, unique in itself, and uh, the clock uh, is accurate. That's important, <laughs> and that's that is really important. important. <laughs> uh-huh. It was really uh, particularly it, that sign, uh, so iconic, when it was actually removed for restoration. It felt as though the building was missing, just an important element. It, it was as though something dramatic had happened to the building mm-hmm. because the sign was gone uh, while it
0: was being restored. I can't even yeah. imagine what yeah. that what that would look like. Yeah. We got yeah. a lot of questions. As we, we, we did. <laughs> as we <replace> it <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yes, we did. It's like the... Um, it's like the Sputnik in front of uh, Joe's Liquor, yeah, you know. Right. that was <laughs> yeah. that was it was gone for yeah. a while when they were getting it. In um, preparing for the recent uh, show I did with um, Architecture Inc., yeah, yeah with two, uh, Choup- uh, yeah. and also in preparation for the neighborhood issue we're getting ready for in storyboard, I was digging through the uh, history of urban renewal in mm-hmm. the city, um, and. You know, it was really devastating, obviously. Uh, As I looked at um, the history of urban renewal from 1957 to 1977, 3,000 structures bulldozed over 560 acres. And, again, I just look at that building and I think, you know, what a miracle it is that it's still standing. Do you kind of know
1: the boundaries of that uh, area?
0: uh, It was... Yeah, it was really everything from basically if you go all the way up into the Pinch District down to essentially Beale Street, and then if you go east, it will go past uh, just about to Danny Thomas. Okay. But then, of course, in South Memphis, all the way out Beale and Vance, um, Vance yeah. Pontiac, okay. all the way out there is you know we had a, a, there was a lot of urban renewal. And then of course into the especially into the sixties and even into the seventies and even into the nineteen seventy eight fire department strike, you know, tons of suspicious fires and arson that just devastated South Memphis, devastated that part of the mm-hmm. you know, the city in particular. You know, we've talked about it already during the show, about the you know, the importance of that corner and, and the miracle it is that the, that the the building is still there. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. That when you look at you look at that building, I just I just feel like it has so much more importance than just the structure itself. You know,
1: I don't know if you know this story, but um, during that period of time around 1945, when uh, they were considering actually building, uh, uh, well, actually I'll say creating some new space for Universal Life, uh-huh. uh, that was also the period when Foot Homes mm-hmm. was built, kind of around the early 40s, as well as Claiborne Homes. So the neighborhood was changing, Yeah, and uh, they actually uh, gave some consideration. We actually have documentation of this through some of the correspondence uh, uh, that has been brought to our attention. Uh, there was some communication with what is now Mount Olive Church mm-hmm. to actually acquire that property and for the universal life insurance company to move in there and you you know you as you, as you think about it, and as you know many times as neighborhoods are changing a white congregation is moving out a african american congregation or some other african american entity may take over that church mm-hmm. so that was sort of nothing new to hear about
0: that the Claiborne but, has that history right yeah, but right. they
1: actually the universal life they Rejected that possibility because they wanted to really make a statement, as Juan said earlier, about this being something very intentional, very new. The type of architecture they chose. So for us, you know, again, it's just so much insight to this to hear about these stories and and how they went about, you know, creating, uh, you know, this this new building.
0: Yeah, Yeah. It has such a presence, um, you know. It it's, it feels very stately, mm-hmm. you know, in Absolutely. its architecture. You know, it's,
2: it's it definitely does. It's established, and most of the time we view the south facade, which is actually much narrower, but the west facade is really when you see. Just how um, significant the building is just from an architectural standpoint mm-hmm. uh, as it's uh, aligned on Danny Thomas it really makes that statement uh, with a, a lot of intention uh, nothing tentative about it
0: yeah yeah right uh, directly Caddy corner across the street than the, the new apartment complex going mm-hmm. up there yeah um, and forum flats yeah, yeah. form. Form flats, yeah, and then um, and then directly across the street, we still have a gas station. Yeah, and, sure. yeah, yeah. What do you hope to see in the future around that corner? Well, you
1: want to talk about our interest in in uh, well, number one, I would say we want <laughs> foreign Flats to, to, succeed. Uh, yes, to start absolutely. back to construction. We understand that they are unfortunately just working through. Uh, the insurance issues of the building catching on fire. But hopefully, you know, it's been uh, several months now. So hopefully, because that project probably would have been completed or very near, at least parts of it would have been completed Mm -hmm. if it hadn't caught fire. But that's number one, we'd like to see that. But what I was about to say is that, you know, we also have aspirations of doing a building on some of the property to the far east of the site. Uh, that we own as part of the universal life insurance building property. Mm -hmm. And so part of what that would accomplish is that on our block, there is no residential uh, uses. And so that would be a way again to add to uh, the vibrancy uh, along that block, particularly between universal life insurance building and Mount Olive to have some Uh, residential uh, use there, some uh, apartments as it were.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important as well and that area, the activity and livelihood is already picking up. Uh, Since we've been in, we've noticed a lot more pedestrians, cyclists. Um, The city just finished uh, re-striping Martin Luther King to create a dedicated bike lane and parking Uh, but uh, it's really interesting to see, particularly early in the morning when I come uh, on some days earlier. There are a lot of a lot more pedestrians that you would think would be uh, walking along MLK. So the entire neighborhood, the uh, vitality and livelihood, you can start to feel that energy coming. Um, but additionally, because we're at that area uh, in at the corner of Martin Luther King and Danny Thomas. Other opportunities, we certainly would like to see uh, revitalization of Robert R. Church Park. Uh, We've worked with uh, the city and others uh, on plans for that particular area. Uh, Then development between St. Patrick's and Forum Flats, uh, other opportunities there. So uh, additionally, as we move into the neighborhood a little bit along Vance, uh, Pontotoc, um, a lot of infill, Developments are happening now, and mm-hmm. so uh, that area is is starting to have uh, uh, impact in terms of its redevelopment.
1: and we're actually the architects for the restoration of uh, Claiborne Temple, and uh, the exterior restoration uh, should get underway uh, I'd say during the month of September. Uh, we're very close to getting that uh, putting that work out to bid. Mm -hmm. Uh, just working through some of the uh, approvals through uh, the National Park Service and National Trust so that's an incredible another project that has as you know has an incredible history and we're just honored to be a part of that project as well Yeah, and then uh, even to Juan's point there are uh, there's a project uh, you may know this building it's kind of a lilac colored building there at 4th and Vance it's a Two-story commercial building. Uh, we're actually working with a, a group of uh, ladies that are embarking on their first real estate development project, Brown Girls LLC. Okay, so I know, I, I and that's mean, that's yeah. very interesting because it is allowing us to leverage uh, a lot of our experience through the Universal Life Building as as developers to share our expertise with them as uh, they consider working with the downtown Memphis Commission or consider uh, being able to utilize historic tax credits mm-hmm. uh, and uh, really just how do we do successfully help them do a project. So that's been, that's been very gratifying. I'll, I'll just add one other point. Uh, we're actually, just to the north of us, is one of the sites associated with Union Row, so that's pretty. That's mm-hmm. pretty incredible. That that property of land just on the other side of of Driver Street is one of the phases of Union Row. And so mm-hmm. just to imagine the impact that that development will have in 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 the area is you know is pretty is pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, you know, we we were talking. Uh, I had uh, I had Rashawn Austin and uh, um, John Zane, and we were talking about three a few weeks ago. And, you know, we were talking about how the city, and, and we, we, for Storyboard, we put together, uh, for the Bicentennial, we put together all the, all the developments and projects that are in the works, and how different the city can look in the next five years, mm-hmm. you know. And Union Row is a big part of that. Um, how, often, um, how often do you find, you, you, you work with so many different agencies, um, do you work with the n p i the neighborhood preservation Inc. we team? do with Steve yeah.
2: Barlow
1: and obviously uh, archie Archie willis yeah mm-hmm. definitely uh-huh
0: yeah. yeah, for all the various developments that are mm-hmm. um on the south side of of Union the south side of martin luther King boulevard is, right, right? Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you know what a time in Memphis really um and talk about opportunities that we have you know um and it's it's great to see the two of you involved with this on, on this level because, you know, I, I think we're doing it right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of get that sense. Not in every case. I mean, there's going to be some things that, you know, we'll get wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it, I get the sense, everyone I talk to, that, you know, we're, we're really approaching this the right way. Yeah. One, A couple of things
1: maybe to mention. Um, one of them, uh, we didn't mention the fact that our project is also – located in the Memphis Medical District. And they have, okay. the Medical District Collaborative has been a supporter of the project. Uh, they actually helped fund uh, the grand reopening and 70th anniversary that we had, as you mentioned, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to highlight them because I think they have a great program where they are working to provide exposure and training to emerging developers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important because uh, we've talked about some major projects such as uh, Union Row and obviously the FedEx uh, is moving into Gibson Guitar uh, and even the Foreign Flats where you have these uh, major developers that are doing large projects. But to Juan's point, you know we've got all of these Vacant properties, and it's 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 very important uh, as we look at revitalizing our city. Mm-hmm. That smaller developers like Brown Girls LLC see some opportunities to come in, as as we've done. We obviously had a, a relatively large project, mm-hmm. but there's just so many incredible opportunities for people to do smaller projects. And I, again, we just have to commend the Memphis Medical District Collaborative. And you may know that. The Urban Land Institute also has a program coming up that'll get started in in August uh, that is creating uh, training for uh, emerging developers as well.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, Tommy Pacello and his team at uh, the Medical District Collaborative. You know, you forget how vast the district is, you know, because you tend to think, you know, the immediate. Medical District area, Saint Jude, La um, you know areas around Jefferson, mm-hmm. Adams, Danny Thomas, and then um, and then all the way out to Edge Alley, yeah, you know, or uh, the Edge District rather. And um, but you forget just how vast it is from from south to north, you know the 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 district. Um, so that that's good to know. I did not know that uh, that there was that level of involvement all the way down there. That's really good to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, What do you think about the impact of FedEx moving down to the Gibson factory?
2: I think it's um, going to be very impactful. Um, Several years ago, I was with a group of Memphians who went to Charlotte, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. uh, as a sister city visit to see some of the things they were doing there. But I distinctly recall one of the conversations Uh, was around the banks that were located in Charlotte Mm -hmm. and how they actually got together and made a decision to invest in downtown Charlotte Mm -hmm. and FedEx planting their flag in downtown is huge for Memphis Um, and I think that uh, other corporations will follow suit Uh, I think the impact is just going to be massive, it's going to ripple out, particularly at the location, the former Gibson Guitar Plant and then we have uh, the Chisco Hotel redevelopment of opportunities right along Martin Luther King, in fact, that are coming up, that a couple of which we're involved in. So um, it really adds to, really, the flavor of Memphis and the vibrancy of downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it absolutely will have a major impact.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we see, for example, um, you know, we see um, – the South City development, we see, we see, uh, the, uh, forum flats. Mm-hmm. Um, are you seeing anything developing in terms of small retail in this South, South City area? We haven't seen a lot of small
2: retail, but I believe there will be some that comes along, uh, as, uh, more residents are located there. I think it's going to be a natural offshoot. Uh, we have seen, um, Other small businesses invest in the area. I was mentioning to Margo earlier, uh, the Memphis Magnetic uh, Recording Studio is on Vance, uh, just Mm -hmm. a couple blocks from uh, NAACP's uh, office, uh, which we're doing renovation there. That particular project, the studio, you may appreciate this, is um, what we call Intentional Vintage. They took um, uh, what was an accountant's uh, shop and a former retail area, develop their studio there and they're actually having sessions in there now. Mm.
0: Okay, good.
1: One thing also to mention is that uh, I know there is a a grant that uh, South City is providing in partnership with uh, the Downtown Memphis Commission uh, to help um, do improvements to buildings, uh, particularly in that South City area. So they are Making some resources available, so uh that that may help as people consider uh buildings that may be vacant right now uh ways in which uh, they may be able to acquire those buildings and possibly you know relocate or re-locate uh, a business uh in in a particular uh site that uh because obviously uh with these projects we've been discussing, uh you know, more and more people are moving into the area, uh, be it, uh, through the, um, choice neighborhoods project, uh, mm-hmm. of the South cities undertaking or the foreign flats or, or any of these projects that we've, even our project, will be adding a few, uh, new units to the area. So certainly uh, creating a market, uh, that businesses can, can take advantage of. And quite honestly, that's what creating a, Complete neighborhood is about where you can walk uh, to to go to a, sh- a coffee shop yeah. or to buy some type of um, uh, item that you need, and the neighborhood retail is there nearby. So we you know we definitely look look forward to that, and, and want to be a part of it. And again, that's why we were interested in providing uh, the cafe that we spoke about earlier.
0: Yeah. So important to have, you know, because I I can imagine this becoming a real community hub, you know, when you have the, the an entrepreneurial center, in addition to the city of Memphis having, you know, the the, the first floor, and and all. Um, I always I can't help I always talk about this. I would love to see some more commercial come to South City, because with the issues we have with mass transit. Mm -hmm. If we can't get, you know, individuals to various parts of the city, why don't we bring the city to the individual, you know, and there's so much opportunity Mm -hmm. there in South City for, you know, for commercial for, uh, you know, I'd like to see us as a city figure out um, the grocery and food desert issue that we continue to have, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, But again, what a, you know, what an important anchor the universal life building, you know, is going, it, it probably already is. Mm-hmm. And it's already attracting folks to that corner.
2: It is. It, uh, even interest from, uh, persons out of town. Uh, there's, um, uh, an organization that's already uh, actually contacted us to book tours when they bring their people to Memphis to come see, uh, the universal life insurance building. And so, uh, it is iconic, uh, And I don't use that term lightly. It is uh, an iconic structure, uh, and it has meant so much to Memphis and the African-American community. But Memphis, uh, in general, it is not only historical, but it's also future-making.
1: And to speak about the future, one aspect of the project we have not yet implemented, but that we have been long planning, and that is to have a solar array that would cover part of Our parking lot and it would be about a 50 kW solar array that could offset about 20% of the power for for the building, the uh, electrical usage for the building. And it would be going directly to the building. Uh, In certain cases, uh, the power gets sold to the utility. But Mm -hmm. in, in our case, we specifically would have it go to the building. That's part of us qualify for, uh, our lead certification. Ultimately, uh, we're in the process right now of achieving a lead goal, uh, certification, uh, for, for, for the project.
0: That's, that's terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Always nice to, um, to have a means to, to generate some more electricity and all that. Yeah. 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 So to close out, I'll, I'll mention, uh, again, if, Few listeners driving down Martin Luther King, or better yet, even biking down Martin Luther King, slow down. And when you get to the corner of Danny Thomas, take a look to your right. Or if you're going, if you're traveling east, take a look on that left hand, that uh, north corner. At we'll stop view. in. And uh, stop in. That's, yeah, that's the next thing I'm going to say. Yeah. Historic uh,
1: gallery right there on the first floor. Uh, and yeah. again, it's an amazing story
0: uh, to share. It is an amazing story. Yeah and uh oneself, self jimmy tucker thank you again for coming in i want to thank margo Payne for uh putting all this together so if it hadn't been for margo we wouldn't have this story wouldn't have this this whole synergy we have here today so thank you thank you and thank you once again listeners and thank you to jeff hewlett as always for his fine acoustic guitar work to producer vance durbin and to the wypl program manager tommy warren to wypl and the memphis public libraries for their support and to you listeners and supporters of the library nfm 89.3 we hope you join us next time on storyboard 30 for more conversation with those memphis personalities and shapers who make our lives here in the bluff city just a little bit better memphis make it a great week